what's that phrase that if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. So to me, it was enjoyment. I'm like, wow, this is cool. And they're showing me how it all works. Let's say cats, royal put cats on one of their ships. There's a lot of stops and starts. Um, so you are reading a book like a show caller. Um, and you'll be looking for certain cues, so it'll be, you'll be, hopefully the artist will remember the lines because you're waiting for a certain word. Well, you enjoy the performances, you see a lot of good performers out there. Um, and in the end, uh, the technology is great, but if you've got a great performer, it's a great performer. It's a fantastic singer. The lighting system of the stage stuff doesn't really do much. If there's natural talent there, you've got natural talent. Um, to go back to that demonstration in the Berlin Opera House, and we're all watching these live. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast. Today we're joined by John Shaw. John is originally from England, grew up in Australia and Zambia due to his father's engineering career. After studying maths and engineering, he discovered a passion for theatre and began with Royal Caribbean International in 1996. Recognized for his talent in automation, John quickly rose to production manager, assisting in world-renowned shipbuilds, such as Voyager and Oasis of the Seas. Over the years, he has collaborated on major productions and recently worked on pioneer cruise projects in India and Italy. John is now a freelance automation tech and works with Spark as a consultant. Offstage, he enjoys motorcycles and scuba diving. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me, Anna. It's a pleasure. Do you mind sharing with us a little bit how do you end up going from maths and engineering and traveling in Zambia and Australia or living over there to working in theater? Um, yeah, it was just, um, I, I went to the theater and fell in love with, I enjoyed the theater, but I was amazed at the, the technical elements. And I went to see Seven Brides for uh, Seven Brothers and they, the stage crew in the darkness built this house on stage And I was just amazed at the coordination and like, wow, you know, um, I thought I've got to find a way into this. And I started part-time being a, a spotlight operator at my local theater. And one thing led to another and I got a job as a stagehand uh, with Royal Caribbean International in 1996. That seems like a long time ago. It was, uh, good times. Um, Good. Well, automation and stages on cruise ships had um, just started developing from a curtain that went up and down or a tab that opened to actually having lifts and props that tracked on and stuff. So it was all a brand new world. And I sort of like slotted in straight away because of my um, technical background, let's put it as that. So they, they fell in love with me and sent me out to France to bring out a brand new ship called the Rhapsody of the Seas in Saint-Nazaire. And um, I just loved it. It was, um, as well as being um, a passion, it was you're working with the people who built these things and you could pick their brains and find out how they, they, they work. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Do you think that's a little bit of the key to have a successful um, build 
or a new belt to, to just talk to everyone and pick their brains and understand how it's done or in general? Life? Some people, there's many different types of people in the world, but if you're very passionate and you're interested in it um, and the people there that are building it, if you take an interest in them, um, they'll impart knowledge to you. And it's the best like university of theater to me or technical theater would talk to the people who are building it and they'll show you how to do it. Um, some people, okay, they just go along because it's a gig, but what's that phrase that if you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your life. So to me, it was enjoyment. I'm like, wow, this is cool. And they're showing me how it all works. And in, in later stages, after we sailed, it came in handy when things broke down. I was always fixing bits and pieces, and um, suppose that led to my promotions and whatever, and where I where I eventually ended up. So you started doing new builds even before you became a production manager. Yeah, I was a little stagehand, and we were carrying all the props on board and doing this, that, and the other. And I'd stay behind with a good friend of mine who was a light tech. Uh, he was learning all the, it was a hog three in those days. He was learning the hog three. Um, and I was going around setting all the limit switches and all the, the lifts and all the curtains and learning how the inverters worked and all this. So yeah, it was a good time. And it was, um, like I say, it was all new to everybody. So in those days, there wasn't that many people. Now, automation is very common. Um, everyone knows a little bit about it. But in those days, it was um the grubby bits of how to program this and how it was a lot simpler but the, the basics are still the same today awesome do you feel like you could compare a theater on ships with a theater on land oh about seven years ago i was lucky to be invited to um the berlin opera house uh wagner Biro, who supplied um stage equipment to royal caribbean I'd spent, I think it was 10 years on rebuilding the uh, opera house in Berlin. Uh, it was 10 years because it was a listed building and there was an awful lot of going backwards and forwards of what they could do or whatever. But their money wasn't an object and the automation was amazing. You know, the, the ships are a very small snapshot of a lot of things. So you have maybe six lifts where these guys had about 10 lifts you know, um, and a lot bigger scale. But um, for some supported theatres, i.e. that they're um, in the capital and driven by the government, um, yeah, money's not an object. When you come to my local theatre, no, it's a handful, you know. So it's sort of, on the ships, you get in the newest, most modern equipment and you get trained on the most modern, newest equipment. And we found... Um, that you'd get technicians coming on board to work with the latest Digico soundboard or the latest Hog 4 or the latest Grand MA um, lighting systems. And then after about a year, they'd go into the industry because then they're, they're well sought after. They've got quite a lot of knowledge. So I think a lot of the ships have very good equipment. But on the other hand, a lot of the older ships have a lot of very old equipment. Not necessarily a bad thing. No, it, it's all at the end of the day, the curtain goes up, hopefully, and if it doesn't, then you don't really have a show. So it doesn't really matter whether it's a hand pull or the latest um, Tate system, navigator, whatever version, press this button and it goes up, hopefully. <laughs> Could you, I don't know, do you have a picture, I'm sure you do, of how 
how technology has evolved in the past 20 plus years and how ships have adapted to that? Yeah, for ships, technology has been a good thing because of consistency in product. Um, because um, when the directors come and they make a show, um, you want that show to be seen uh, by passengers, exactly the same show in four or five years. Yeah, um, The technology side of it, um, because we use a thing called time code, um, everything happens exactly the same time um, every lighting look happens at the same time in the same look, as long as the light tech has maintained the, the rig. Um, the only things that are inconsistent is live musicians and live performers, but the rest of it happens on time. So pretty much you should be getting the director's cut every single time, apart from obviously different uh, cast members. So it's made consistency um, a good thing that everything is the same as the, 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 the director directed. When you talk about consistency, and uh, a bit ago you were talking about how technicians come over for a year and then leave because they've been trained. How do you achieve this consistency with such turnover? Well, basically we make the whole systems as dumb as possible. So um, for the lighting technician, um, he will basically press go and sit back and watch it, you know, that the cues will happen on time, like I said, from time code. Um, the effects on stage will happen at the same time. Um, the movements on stage will happen at the same time. So it's dumbed down a bit so somebody can operate it simply um, and it will all happen like magic the only thing that you're really using people for is probably whoever's doing the automation um apart from flying automation um is watching that there's no way that an accident or an incident will happen on stage that they can stop a move or speed a move up or slow a move or ignore a move um in the world of lighting you have lights or you don't it gets a bit dark in sound your sound guy is mixing to an an extent like i say sound can be live you know and hopefully um depending on what systems is on um you do have some sound cues that come in on cue or maybe if it's a, like a broadway show then your your, your, your shows there are more stop start because um on a lot of theater shows they're basically a musical so music of some description plays from start to stop to finish where on a broadway type show or a magic type show it's what i call stop start that there'll be um an audio break where there's dialogue and then you're waiting for someone to restart the show on a certain word and then the automation the lighting and everything kicks in so it's made really uh it dumbs everything down a little bit so again you're getting some sort of consistency well, it seems that it's just assumed that that's going to happen. You you already know, and that's the way it rolls. Like, you just go with the well, fact that... I have a, an old saying of, if it can happen, it probably will, no matter how unlikely it will. So um, when you're there in the initial stage and putting the shows together, you're looking, as well as what the director wants, but what can go wrong with this scene? How can that not happen how might that be a danger to performers and you try to put safeties in um to stop anything like that happening uh, i mentioned before about flying in 1999 royal caribbean took on um 
well, they, they, they became partners with Foy Flying, um, and we had silks and traveler tracks. Uh, that is really, that's a, a different genre completely from automation. Although it's automated, um, it's the operator with the performer firing the cues to go up, to go down to certain points. Um, and important that the operator and the performers have a, a, a bond between them. They rehearse together an awful lot, so they know that when he's doing a certain trick, um, this certain hand movement means move on to the next position or, no, I'm in trouble, bring me down. So that's where, that's a different skill set from, say, the, the lighting tech or the stage automation technicians and all these people at the end are under um the stage manager production manager slash technical director that it all works all together on ships sometimes or at least with royal i don't know other cruise ships cruise lines um the setups are usually the same there is somebody in control whether that somebody actually does something like um for the Royal, as you brought up, um, they use the stage and production manager p position, but he's also the stage automation techs. Um, he's the most senior one there, so he can call a stop to the show. Um, he'll also start the show, and it's his decision or her decision um, whether to stop or if it's an unsafe condition. Obviously, he has or she has um a dance captain a vocal captain um a lighting technician a rigging technician a sound person who he'll or she will get information from to say do we do a show it's a ship conditions too rough um royal yeah that person is actually running the show as well he's doing automation on some of the shipping lines they have the luxury of maybe um a technical director that can be there just overseeing the whole thing. And if he sees something going wrong, then he can call a, a stop. So um, there's usually, I think Princess, and I, don't quote me on this, um, they had a model where everyone was the same rank. So no one could call a stop to the show. You know, um, at the end of the day, you want somebody there that can say stop or go and the decision risk rest with that person um if you got everybody on the same rank because on ships it's different from theater everyone's a different rank and they have different specialties um then no one's really in control you have to call the cruise director who might not be there so you know if it's an incident that you need like no we need to stop this is unsafe um you're waiting five minutes hopefully that the the general consensus is you stop Could you describe a little bit more the 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 tasks or the role of this person? Because not only the show caller and the person that has responsibility over the, the show looks, but there's more to it than just running a show, yeah? Yeah, well, show caller, um, more of a, a land-based thing. Because like I say, for the majority of shows on ship, um, you hit go and it goes it's magic you know because it's been done that way um when you get to say let's say cats royal put cats on one of their ships there's a lot of stops and starts 
Um, so you are reading a book like a show caller, um, and you'll be looking for certain cues. So it'll be you'll be hopefully the artist will remember the lines because you're waiting for a certain word to roll the time code. So then it'll be okay, sound guy and roll go cue whatever, and it would then pick up into automation. Then the automation would stop, and you, you'd revert back to listening and watching like a a, a sure based show. And beyond the stage duties like office work, safety, what are the other things that this person is in charge? And now a note from our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Clearcom. Clearcom is the leader in voice communications for theatre and the performing arts. Call your cues with the simplicity and elegance of Clearcom Intercom Solutions. You can find them at C-L-E-A-R-C-O-M.com. Go check them out. Um, usually, well, everybody, every crew member has a different job. Um, in a, an emergency, you might be on a stretcher team, you might be on um, a fire door, uh, you might be um, because the, the the stage and production manager has two and a half stripes, and the um, entertainment manager has like three stripes on sh- some ships. They might be driving a lifeboat, so you, there's another side of that, and you have to go to training. Um, you have entertainers as well as shows, so an entertainer will come up, so you're there to meet and greet and set the rehearsal up and see the rehearsal through, um, inform the relevant parties of what they need. If there's video support, then on the ships they have a video team, so you bring video team in to do certain rollings. On that, then you'd be doing pretty much calling a show, so you'd be watching it and queuing things up and telling video to roll, stop. So that's probably more akin to a, a land-based theatre. So you, there is multiple di- duties, um, and you're responsible. Hopefully, you have like, well, not a secretary, but the department has a secretary where you're responsible for time cards, berthing, what cabins people go into. Usually, um, the cabins are pretty much the same. That you know, your stage crew lives in these so many cabins. Your cast lives in these cabins, and depending what you are, um, your your rank. You might have a porthole, you might not. You might be sharing with someone, you might not. So there's an awful lot of variables there. And we've been talking about general work on a ship, but what makes it different to be on a shipyard? Well, apart from the obvious that occasionally you get a bit of time off and you can see different ports, and it's very very much like having a, a brochure, the world brochure of all these ports, because some you get off and think, wow, I'll come back here one day, or some you get off and think, you couldn't pay me to go here. Um, <laughs> so there is that. Um, and also... If you're in a land-based theater, you can call somebody and they'll come out and fix something. You can't do that on a ship. So although you might be a stage and production manager or an automation tech, um, I can't program a lighting board, but I can strip down most Martin equipment and repair it. I know how to do that. I can look at speakers and change a crossover or a sub or a tweeter. Um, So you get a very good uh, grounding of knowledge in a lot of fields. So... Um, you can be a specialist in one thing, but you know a lot of information. I was in um, Vienna once, and um, after this theatre production show, we are in the bar, and we do have bars on ships, and we're having a few drinks with the technicians there. Um, and at the time, the Mac 2K had just come out, and I was talking with the lighting technicians about the first series, 
when the fuse blew up on the power board would take most of the board out as well and the the, the gentleman that i was with with from Wagner Biro asked me, how did I know this? I'm like, well, we have to know these because, you know, although I run your automation, I know how his equipment works. So we'll be there taking that down, stripping it, and then putting a new board in, you know. So um, it's good in – you learn an awful lot whilst you're on the ships if you've got that sort of temperament and you want to learn, you know. Um, and you have a good time, you know, nice ports. I took up scuba diving whilst I was there. so. Luckily, I was on a ship that once a week I could schedule because I did the schedules. There would be a a very late rehearsal, so in the morning I could go scuba diving. <laughs> Not everyone has that luxury, though. No, but um, you know, sometimes you get a lot of people in the cast that like scuba diving and technicians, and none of them are going to object. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, and how how would you describe uh, the 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 experience of working on a new build and taking it afloat and making it having everything integrated you were telling us about how uh people that come with the different equipments and at different contractors are willing to teach you but the overall experience it's usually an experience that t takes a few months if not years um would you care to describe it a little bit um several times i've written myself a letter saying never do this again and then i've gone <laughs> back and done it um without naming companies one company um would show up and say we're putting drones in the theater and these two guys from switzerland will be arriving tomorrow and just assist them and you're like right okay great And then you'd go in and like, right, how do these drones work? So, well, we have these things called kedges and they um, they have a range of about um, 40 feet. So what's that, about 10, 12, 12 meters, yeah? Um, and they all link together, but they can't be met near any metal. I'm like, well, you're on a ship and it's steel, so maybe the theaters are not a good thing. Let's go into Studio B, which is a nice theater, And I've got a lot of like dasher boards, uh, which are polycarbonate, um, and we there's less steel in there. So let's move. So, and then you get another company that would invite you to meet up with the show concept people, the producers, and say, "We want to put a water effect in this show." Right? Okay. So what's it got to do, and how does it do it? And then you can go out to the yard and say, "Right, we're going to put a water effect. We need to." we need to change this. We need to put four chain hoists here. We need to put a tank here. Um, and you can get the ball rolling. So in my experience with some companies, they, we need this doing and off you go, you've got to make it happen. And sometimes you can't, you know, if you'd known that knowledge two or three months whilst you were building it, um, you might've been able to do it. Or if it's a real showstopper, because to be honest, With a lot of production teams, they come up with great ideas, but usually about a month before you're sailing. So then you're ripping down ceilings and looking where you can weld points up to hang this, that, and the other. If you get a bit of an advance on it, great. Whilst you're still building the thing, you say, oh, by the way, I need some pad eyes to hang something off here. Can we weld some on some of these supports? And let's put a hole in the ceiling. And um, the contractors building the ship They're quite happy about it 
But if you come back to the shipyard, because when you're building a ship, you don't own the ship. You're just there as an observer. Um, if you come back and say, oh, by the way, we need to take all this ceiling down because I need to run some cables, I need to hang this, they'll either say, certainly, but they're not happy, that's going to cost you 30 grand. Yeah, but if you can catch it early enough and get stuff done, it's less cost to the client or to the shipping company. So um, it is interesting. It's great to see the progress and to know that you're part of it. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on the Voyager of the Sea, which at the time, first ice rink, um, one of my little projects as well, um, and the biggest ship um, flying all new to us. So it was it keeps your mind very keen because you're learning new things. And then um, in 20, 2010 was launch of Oasis, but 2009 we'd gone into the yard to start discussing the aqua theatre and how we would work the aqua theatre, first aqua theatre at sea. No one else has done that yet. Well, no one else has done ice rinks either. Um, so there was always new and interesting things. And when we went to France, um, we put 3D flying into the aqua theatre. Um, and then on Symphony, we actually put 3D flying into the, the main theatre as well, drones in the ice thing. So it's quite technically advanced. Um, you know, I was with Royal Caribbean for 20, 20 odd years, um, and there was never a dull day and never anything was the same. You know, you always got new projects. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. So, yeah. It was enjoyable, enjoyable. Nice. And um, you said you were with Royal, but you've worked with a handful of different other cruise lines. Uh, mm. Are there main differences or similitudes that you that you pick up on? Um, I worked with Celebrity. I did two of their ships from France, one called The Edge, which was new to class, and then one called Apex. Um, the Apex, the German... Uh, the, the well, Celebrity Edge was a thrust stage, and behind it was um, ten screens which moved on tracks, and there was eighteen projectors, and the image could follow the the the, the screens. So basically, your scenery was projected on the back, and these screens uh, were ten meters high. Yeah. Um, now, on the second ship, they wanted to put LED in. Um, great idea, but an LED screen weighs a lot more than a canvas screen or a plastic screen, whatever it's made out of. Um, and when we got out there, we had three months to – no, five months to do the project. Um, so and, – and they'd nearly completed the, the theatre. The, the regular screens were just about to go in. Anyway, we had to rip out all the steelwork. Um, put new I-beams in, structural, because um, the LED screens are that size, they weigh a lot more. Plus, they're moving, they're motorized. Um, you have um, LEDs don't admit that much heat, but the power that drives them, the power boards do. So we had to put more air conditioning in there as well. Um, There's an awful lot, and we did it. We made it, and we made it work. Um But that that was a very interesting project, that. And we, we only just about made it. Um, and COVID came along after that. So anyway. But um, yeah, now the rest of them, there's only the edge of that series. They're on ship number four of all the LED screens. In. But um, yeah, good time. Nice. Oh, and, sorry. 
Virgin, I did some stuff on Virgin, which were, Virgin set their stall that they were going to be very different from everyone else and do different shows, which they were. Some very good aerial shows. Um, stages weren't as big as Royal or Celebrity. Um, yeah, different, but very similar. The technology, like I say, is very similar. It's usually the same people who did the sound system, the lights and the rigging. It's all usually the same contractors, just under a different name. And there was one of the most interesting projects I ever did was um, India's first ever cruise ship, which um, was Gilesh. And it was a 1990s P&O cruiser, which they bought. Um, so the stage was pretty archaic um the the sound system had been upgraded they'd used a lot of uh, myers equipment and apogee so it actually sounded pretty good and the rig was mainly um the lighting rig was mainly martin leds so it looked pretty good it's just the ship was very old as you can imagine and um we were putting shows in there well the P&O crew got off and an Indian crew got on um, and we had to teach them how to use the, the equipment. Um, within three months after a six-week dried up where they painted the ship and upgraded the casino and a few other bits and pieces, the pool deck, um, we sailed with paying passengers with um, production shows. So, yeah, that was very interesting. That yeah. That's uh, Did they have more than one venue? One theatre, um, and then there was two lounges. One lounge was um, in the middle of the ship, which held about 200 with a small stage, so it was mainly for bands. And then there was like um, a very nice private type of lounge with only 100 people in there. So I wouldn't say it was a piano bar. There was a piano in there, but there was a small stage, so you could put a little band in there. Um, so, yeah, it was quite nice, yeah. Nice. So what would you say it's your favorite thing about your job then? I don't honestly know. Um, new ideas, seeing you, well, you enjoy the performances. You see a lot of good performers out there. Um, and in the end, uh, the technology is great. But if you've got a great performer, it's a great performer. If it's a fantastic singer, the lighting system and the stage stuff doesn't really do much. If there's natural talent there, you've got natural talent. Um, to go back to that demonstration and the Berlin Opera House, and we're all watching these lights and things move around and like, wow. And then there was um, a cappella singer, an opera singer, and she just blew everyone away, you know, unmiked and just sang you know i'm like wow well that's the highlight of the show for me so that was 10 million well spent there you go so it is if you see some good shows great um like i say i quite enjoyed the work i can't really put a finger on what i enjoyed i mean it gets a bit when things aren't working and you've got to fault find um sometimes you end up you know, if you've worked in the yard, you know who made it. So you phone in the guy, right, this isn't happening. And I've done this, 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 what it is, what is this? And you're on some satellite phone. So the company's paying a bit of money for it. And he'll go, well, try this, try that, and then get back to me. So sometimes the fault finding can be interesting, let's say. So on the other side of what's exciting, what would you change if you could change anything? Ooh, what could I change? Um, I think when I was working with Becky Thompson, I won't mention the, the company, and she was the VP, um, she was very inclusive with everybody. So she would 
bring everyone together and discuss what they were going to do. Um, so you had sound, lights, um, staging, as well as the producers. Um, and it was very good. It was very immersive. You knew what they wanted, and you could supply that, rather than um, some companies that, we're doing this. Well, okay, well, the stage doesn't lend itself to that, so how are we going to do it, you know? Uh, that's not being negative. That's just the reality. So you'd say it's a matter of timing and communication, I guess? Yeah, logistics. I don't know. Yeah, timing, communication, logistics, being a bit realistic. Um, communication is an interesting thing because I've yet to work with a, a large company that does communicate, and that seems to be a worldwide thing that the left hand usually doesn't know what the right hand's doing anyway. Uh, speaking of, um, you'd say bringing everyone together, something I've noticed is that you really care about teaching and bringing people in and teaching and sharing? Yeah, well, it's um, if you get a certain amount of people that are really interested in the job that they're doing, you should nurture them um, and encourage them and put them with people. Um, okay, I've been around in the industry quite a while, so I know a few people. And if you find someone who's got... Uh, a good bend on lights, for instance, and you've got it within your power to put them with that person. Like you're going to work with so and so and learn from him. You know, you'll get on very well, and you'll, this will be a bit of your future. Or you see people that um, one of my technicians, American guy, in his um, time off, he'd be going to his local churches and he put sound systems, AV systems, everything. And I said, well, really, that is your future. Um, you know, great that you're doing this, you know, have, have some fun and some ports, but start planning and start being like a systems guy. So he's got his own little company now in California and he um, fits out lots of churches, you know. Um, there's obviously money there and he enjoys his job. So if you see natural talent, it's good to encourage it. I mean, I've got quite a, I've got quite a good a few friends and every now and again it's nice to see where they've got to you know and if you can be part of their life in pushing them in the right direction great you know awesome i'm sure they appreciate it <laughs> i'm sure they do <laughs> <laughs> one last question if you could recommend someone or someone you think we should have on on the podcast whoa um yeah, a few of them are a bit busy at the moment. There, some are out in Finland doing the um, Icon of the Seas, um, and a couple are out in France at the moment doing. I think it's the Beyond. No, it's not the Beyond. It's the Ascent. So the Ascent. But um, I'll talk to you offline about that. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Anna. Have a great day in uh, sunny Montreal. Thank you, you too. Theatre Art Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com. Thank you.